There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and we are in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. These HomeLoanExpert.com studios are at Cardinal Spring Training for the next couple of months as the Cardinals get ready for the 2019 campaign. Our guest this week from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios is the 2006 World Series MVP, David Eckstein. I played in the Cardinal Fantasy Cup, and David Eckstein uh, really could have played, probably would have been the best player, including the former players, um, but he elected to not play. You will hear his reason why. It had nothing to do with health, but I think it kind of drives home why he was as successful as he was um, as a player. So we get into his background. I've never really heard his background. Um, you know his story in the sense once he got to the big leagues and, and became a, a folk hero in Anaheim and then in St. Louis. But how did that happen? Um, and you hear the backstory on that in addition to um, a variety of his opinions on uh, what went on in St. Louis, some of the famous moments in 2005 and 2006 in particular. And, uh, and then also we start out with in this interview, where David Eckstein is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, uh, we start out with the conversation on the day uh, our team, which was managed by Alan Bennis and Ryan Franklin and Scott Cooper, where my teammates were going up against his team. He was the manager, uh, which featured uh, Ray Lankford um, on their team, and whoever won that game was in the mix to win the division championship. So you sense the the tension between Eckstein and I uh, in the sense that we are about to participate in a game that uh, has has major, major implications. Uh, On the other side of this interview, I will share details of the game. But before I do that, ladies and gentlemen, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, here is the 2006 World Series MVP, our guest this week on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, David Eckstein. All right, David, we're going to have a nice conversation here, but first, let's let's break it down. Uh, my team, uh, which is Alan Bennis, uh, Scott Cooper, and Ryan Franklin, will be going up against your team, which is managed by you, right. and Ray Lankford and Cliff Polite are your legend players. Uh, you've won a World Series, you've won two World Series, mm-hmm. but how does the intensity as you wake up this morning compare to 2002 and with the Angels and 2006 with the Cardinals? Like, like I tell everybody, if... Days like today where every day in the big leagues, I would still be playing. You know, when you have a chance to go out and win a ring, like we have a chance today, oh my gosh, it's so easy to get up and get to the field, you know, and our boys are going to be ready today and we're going to be coming after you. I like that. I like that's a good sound bite. It was 15 seconds. It was crisp and it was intense. <laughs> how have you, how have you enjoyed This is your first one. Yeah. It's my first one. Right. How have you enjoyed How come? I'm sure you could, you could certainly play if you wanted right. to. You could play like better than almost all of these guys actually now that I think about it because you're what uh let's see i'm 42 you're 43 if i'm not mistaken, 44 right? i just turned 44 oh, i just turned 44 yes. happy birthday Thank you. but you know you could go out there and do some raking um it's one of those things that i am a competitor and the thing about it is what you used to be able to do your body just is not up to that that level and so when i would the, the scared part about it is when you go to fire like pulling a hamstring and stuff like that and also i did not have the time to truly train because if I was really playing, I would have been three months ago, like full out bored because look at you. It, well, no, it's the fact that the fact that you guys all have memories of how I used to play and I never want them to fade away. And so and if I came out here, I would 
to myself, I would think that you guys would expect that level and I would try to deliver that. How about me. that? But my body can't handle it. Oh, I bet you still, the old ball would do one of these oh, yeah. 55 mile an hour things with no movement. Oh, yeah. It'd come over the middle of the plate and you'd hit it to the gap and it'd go to the fence and you'd probably get three at least. Uh, I would, I mean, if it, I, I, <laughs> maybe probably, four, it yeah, sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> totally. And, and the competitor in me and stuff like that. No, totally. If I, if I got one and I don't take it easy on people, <laughs> I, I, and that's probably part of my problem. And so that was one of the things that we made the deal with Joe that I would come, but I would only manage. How about that? Uh, the thing that has stood out to me most here, and I was telling Nick this and I was telling my wife this, is that if, let's say, Ryan Franklin, who is uh, probably our best or second best player on our team with Scott Cooper, right. if he were to get up in a game, in a, in a major league game, and hit, you know, let's say like, oh, we got to get Franklin another inning because it's an extra inning game. So he's going to have to hit. It's like that one time a year where that happens. And he were facing a major league pitcher, even just like a middle of the road, middle reliever. He would likely be embarrassed. Right. But in this situation, even if he's facing the other team's best pitcher, he still crushes the ball. Yeah. Dave Veers, who I don't think I saw with a bat in his hand in his time yeah. in St. Louis, he hit a ground rule double, right. you know, and, right. and he's turning on every ball and crushing it. And it just drives home the point of how you guys are in the point zero one percent of baseball players, even the guys who are relievers, that talent is, there's yeah. such a huge gap. I knew there was a gap, but now it drives it home. Right. No, totally. Like the sense of even, you know, like some of the, you forgot Jason Isringhouse, oh, Matt yeah. Kinney, and Jason Mott. Yeah, you put a bat in their hands at a major league game, like you don't want it in their hands. You get down here <laughs> and like, you're begging for those guys on your club because they absolutely rake. And yeah, I mean, we've been very fortunate to be kind of blessed with a little bit of a skill to be able to go out there at the highest level. But even here, even here, it's the sense of, you know, we all like to win and we all like to prove that we're better than what we probably really are. (laughs) And and at the end of the day, like those guys can hit when they're just playing against average people that really are not are not true players. I take myself back to the high school days. So the guys who usually were the best pitchers also so, usually were the best fielders too. So they were playing those three or four non-starting days and they were still like I was talking to Alan Bennis. He goes, "Yeah, I was probably the best hitter right. and best fielder, but what separated was the best pitcher." Did you pitch when you were playing high school? Um no, I did not pitch when I was in high you school. You were always shortstop? I was, no, actually second base. Oh. Yeah, so basically when I was 12, a coach moved in and they moved me out of uh, shortstop and I got to play other positions because his son ended up playing shortstop. And oh, was it one of those deals? You know yeah. what I mean by one of those deals? Oh, yeah. it a, was a, a little bit, yeah. So yes. he was—he sounds like he was legitimate, but he probably wasn't. Well, well he, as, he probably doesn't have two rings. Let so, me put it that so, way. <laughs> no, he does not. Um, the joke was he was three inches taller than me, so he had three more inches to go into the hole. And I always like to say was I always go back and say thank you because you actually saved my arm when, until I actually had to use yeah, it. You nice. Know? So, but uh, no, but but. To be honest, you know, especially to young kids out there, if I would have just played shortstop, I would not have learned the game the way I learned it. Because from not playing shortstop every day, I went and played third, I played second, and I played all outfield position. So doing that, it actually helped my knowledge in the game. And as I got older, I knew where everyone was supposed to be. Boy, that's now that you mention that, that's probably yeah. a huge part of it. It, it is because you I mean, especially being in the in the amateur game today, like someone gets, I'm the shortstop, and it's actually doing a disservice to the kid later on in life because at some point in time, there's only 30 shortstops in the big league. So if you're not one of those 30s, you're going to have to find somewhere else to play if you want to play. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with David Eckstein from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly is our sponsor of the studios. Ryan Kelly has been with us from the very beginning, and we are very grateful for his support. If you're buying a home, if you're refinancing a home, why go anywhere else other than the best? It's as simple as that. Let them know the Tim McKernan Show sent you. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. A lot of people start looking around at this time of year going, okay, well, we got to start looking because when summer rolls around, that's when we move. That's when we move the kids. This is the time to make sure that Ryan can pre-approve you. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com or take a look at a cash-out refi. Ryan Kelly can do that for you as well. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. He is our studio sponsor on the Tim McKernan Show, and that's where David Eckstein joined me for our interview here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Anytime I get a chance to talk to to somebody who wound up achieving what you have achieved in your career, I'm always curious how it was, whether they play golf, basketball, football, or in this case, baseball, were they clearly head and shoulders above everybody else coming up? And I feel like in asking you that question, 
I'm not sure that the answer is yes. So you're shaking your head like it's no. No, it's definitely no. I was never the, you know, quote unquote, best player on the club. Where did you play high school ball? I played in Seminole High School. It's in Sanford, Florida. Um, We were very fortunate. That club in my junior year, we won the state title. Sweet. We had a couple All-Staters on the club. Now, were you the best? Oh, so you had a couple All-Staters. Yeah, so we had, had, our catcher was All-State, and then our pitcher, first baseman, was All-State as well. And I was as, uh, I did, I was also all state. So there was three of us, but basically nobody wanted me. They wanted them. So like when, when people came, came to see us, I was just the afterthought basically. So I was never really the best player, um, in people's eyes on that club. And these were the kids I played with all through like, you know, pony league baseball. So, so never, never was seen as that go to college. Definitely not the best player. You know, we ended up by my time I graduated, you know, we had, and where'd you go? I went to university of Florida. And so we had, um, Brad Wilkerson on the club who freshman all American broke the home run record. Um, Mark Ellis was there as well, you know, and then on the pitching side, we had like Josh Fogg, um, Paul Rigdon, all making it to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. So definitely not, not the, the shining star as well there, but but just the ability to go out there and just play the game and just do my role to actually facilitate them as well. So then how does it go from Gainesville to the pros? What's your process on that? Um, I was very fortunate enough my senior year. Um, uh, I actually had a really good junior year, All-American and everything like that, but didn't get drafted. And so I go back my senior year to have just, just as good as a year and did not know if I was getting drafted or not. But very fortunately... I was drafted in the 19th round, um, and even to this day, then when the scout came over, um, he actually came over the house, picked me up, and drove me to extend it. So in Fort Myers. So, but he told my dad the reason why they were drafting me was because they thought one day I would make a good coach. So, oh my God, yeah, oh yeah. And so, so you're 21, two? 22, 22 years old, and so, but I was just thrilled to be drafted. And and with the opportunity, so I knew it was one of those things that hey. If they give me a chance to put a uniform on, I'm just going to do my best. And the ultimate goal was the big leagues, but you just never know mm-hmm. how long that would take or if it ever really would happen. Were you drafted in like 97-ish? I, yeah, 1997 okay. I was drafted. 97 you're drafted. Yeah. And so then what's the process in the minor leagues? So, so basically um, that first year I got sent to short season A. So I got to, sent to the Lowell Spinners and played there um a little quick fun fact on that um at the end of the year i was i was called by the manager who was basically named player of the team so i was going to have the opportunity to go up to fenway park and um you know be honored on the field as as the best position player on the club and two days later the manager called me up and said they actually took away the award and they gave it to the first rounder What's that about? What do you think? It was like the big club doing it? I, I, I think, it, you know, it was one of the things. And, and the pretty cool about it, my manager was Dick Berardino. And, and he, earlier in the season, I was doing really well. I was leading the team in hitting. And a high money guy was being sent down to, um, to get his swing back. And I was the one with the least amount of money invested in the, the highest, you know, I would say with the lowest draft pick out there. So mm-hmm. I actually got put on the bench and he pulled me in the office and he goes, David, just want to let you know, professional baseball is not fair. And so those words were rang true. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I'll get you in any way I can. Fortunately, two days later, I was able to get back into the lineup and stayed in the rest of the year. But once again, he goes, David, professional baseball is not fair. We all know you deserve the award. And, but it's one of those things I don't need an award to know. That, that you had a great had year, and you were moving in the right direction. Moving in the right direction. So, and actually, during that season, we were playing in Oneonta. We were playing the Yankees, and our roving catching instructor was um, Bobby Guerin. So Bobby Guerin was coaching first base, and so I get on first base, and I'm legitimately he shakes my hand and he goes, "Do you want to play for me next year?" I was like, "Heck yeah!" Bobby G was going to be the manager at the high A, so basically skipping low A. And um, and I was like, yes, I want to play uh-huh. for you. So I actually skipped low A and, and I played on. I, I jumped to um, high A the following year with Bobby G. What do you think was flashing for these guys when you were playing? I mean, because I can't imagine well, you were like hitting twenty five home runs no, or anything like that. Well, so. the thing about it was um, the way I went about the game. I played hard, and and after my first season, so Bob Schaefer was our farm director, and he pulled me aside and he was like, I just want to let you know. Uh, we would we would invite you to instructional league, but you know there's nothing we really can teach you. You mean the way you understand the game and the knowledge of the game. Um, 
So we don't, I don't want you to get, I don't want you to feel slighted, but there's nothing we can teach you here. So like that stuff. So they saw, they saw the way I thought the game and how I was putting myself in good positions and, and then to be able to put the bat on the baseball and how hard I went about each game and each, each, basically every pitch, it was never taking it off. And so they saw that, which kept, you know, Bobby G loved that type of attitude. And so that made me, let me jump to the next level. And once again, in Sarasota had another really good year. Um, and was actually named the player of the year that team and they kept it. So I actually got to go to Fenway the following year. So, which put me on the fast track to go to double a the following year, had another great year in double a, um, with DeMarlo Hale. And when you're in 2000 now, is that right? We're in 1999. Okay. Yes. And, um, had another, you know, great year, which sent me to the fall league, which got me on the 40 man roster. And so I was heading to Paul Tuckett in my, my fourth year in professional baseball. How so. about that? Is, is, when, you, when you get drafted, are you – what's the mindset? Like some guys know they're going to be at the big leagues if they're drafted in the right spot and the money's attached to them, like you were saying. But 19th round, are you thinking I, it's 50-50? Are you thinking I'm just going to grind? And if it happens, great. If not, it looks like I got a spot in the game because they identify me as a potential <laughs> coach. What are you thinking? Um, I like to say I was pretty stupid and like legitimately. So our first spring training, they brought in all the new class. So the people that were attending their first spring training and basically they sat us down in the room and they're like, understand this out of the, you know, there was probably about, you know, somewhere around that 60 to 70 guys in the room. And he goes, just want to let you know only two are going to make it and i promise you i swear to god on this that my thought was who's the other guy <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah. mindset oh that's so, so good so oh no, i always thought I, I always thought i would I <laughs> and now that you look back on it you probably see the math oh, on my, how- oh gosh well i even go back to high school i was like you I mean i'm only gonna play division one <laughs> i'm not so i like legitimately had like no zero offers division one and like i didn't even apply to school so all of a sudden, it's, it's after school. I have already graduated from high school, and I have not applied to any school. And so very fortunate enough, we had a friend that called up University of Florida to even get me into school. Yeah, and you wind up at an SEC program, too. It's not like you just backed into a JUCO. Man, right. that's insane. So what's that moment like when you find – I always love hearing how a guy, doesn't matter what he wound up achieving, he'll always remember the moment when he finds – He's getting the call. So, what's that moment? Um, it was it was very special. The thing about it was, I um, during the my two thousand year in Pawtucket, I was actually taken off the roster and I was claimed by the Anaheim Angels. So, I spent the last fifteen days in their AAA in Edmonton. So, I come into spring training not knowing what was going to happen or just going to do my best. And about with about three weeks left in spring training, Adam Kennedy breaks his hand. And so all of a sudden there was a need for a second baseman because he was going to miss the first, you know, 10 games of the season. And basically it was my chance to, to be able to show them what I could do. And so legitimately, so right before you break, break spring training and you go off um, to start the season, we finished up playing in Arizona. So we played at the Diamondbacks, you know, in Chase Field. Mm-hmm. So we're up there. So in the way they did it, like Soch likes to give days off and stuff like that. And he already kind of like, like started treating me a little bit like a veteran so it was kind of my day off so I'm sitting on the bench before we're about to play a game at Chase Field where I was not going to play and he comes up next to me and goes I just want to let you know um you made the club and so on the inside I am like mm-hmm. ecstatic but of course you know through my father no emotion on the outside and he's like what you're not excited <laughs> I go I'm very excited but you know there's still nine innings we got tonight and so that was pretty cool and then then fast forward so we played those games in arizona we had and then they came with us and we played two in anaheim before the season started and basically and back when they actually had a tarp on the field um i was playing second base i think it was like the fourth inning guy hits the ball and i go up and jump up on the tarp make the catch and so now i'm hitting third so i'm sitting there in the hole and so she comes up to me and goes i just want to let you know you'll be starting on tuesday and so and it was a dream come true. You go from making the it's roster, finally you're the opening day starter. starter. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. So it was it was pretty surreal, and yeah, definitely. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our guest sponsor on the Tim McKernan Show, presenting David Eckstein this week. And I've been talking about one of our sponsors and the work he can do to help you with your finances. And this is the time of year that those lovely tax forms are starting to come in. I I truly opened up the mail yesterday, and I got three tax forms. 
Uh, Mark Hanna reminded me that last year the government passed a tax law that lowered taxes for most people to some of the lowest we've ever seen. But the W-2s and 1099s are coming in, so think about how much of that we make goes to paying taxes. Taxes are already one of the biggest expenses that most people pay ever. Do you even think about what could happen if taxes go up? This is a great time to look ahead to the future and come up with a strategy. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. Call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. It's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Also, this little fun fact for know and tell, which from my standpoint was uh, super interesting, and that is median um, retirement funds that people have when they work with a financial professional versus when they don't work with a financial professional. And it's, it's almost exactly two times higher if you work with a financial professional. And so much of that is just getting you organized and putting you in the right plan. It just is a matter of a phone call. And I'm telling you, if you make the phone call, you're going to be happy you did. 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. That 2002 Angels team wins the World Series. I'm always curious what guys can see before things wind up happening. When you're in camp that year in the early part of the season, are you looking around going, we got something here? Well, from day one, um, Mike Sosha started out our first meeting saying that, you know, I believe this is a championship club. We would not have you here if we didn't think that you would have the opportunity to be World Series champions. And so we want to let you know we believe in you. But we actually got off to the worst start in, 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 in Angel history. And I think we were right around that 5-16. and 16. And um, there was talk of firing Mike Sosha. And we were actually in Seattle. It was our last game in Seattle. Um, you know, Seattle won with 116 games the year before. Yeah, and yeah. so, and they were back on their roll. They had beat us the first two games. And basically, like, Troy Percival and um, Darren Erstead held a meeting and basically said that we're better than this and we need to start holding each other accountable. Just like so says, we're a championship club. Now let's go prove it. And basically, we went out there and smoked them that night and we went on a roll. Mm-hmm. But the pretty cool thing about that year was no one paid attention to us. Because everyone only only people knew about was the money ball and the streak with Oakland A's. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So like, and what, I think how many did they win in a row? It was like 20, oh yeah, that's right. They went like, on that tear. That tear. What people didn't realize was during that time period, we only lost three games. So we only lost three games in the standing, and so we were just as good. And so it was one of those things that we saw what we were doing, but we were under the radar, and no one cared about us. Yeah. And it allowed us to go out and do our do exactly what we were doing so like we knew we were pretty good it was just the rest of the world did not know and you get there you guys beat the twins am i right yeah, twins so we, the LCS? yeah we, we beat the yankees and the lds the yankees and the lds that's the thing in the al east everybody's focused on the yankees, yankees and, and red, red sox. sox in the al west they're all focused on, on what's going on with the the, the a's right and then as it winds up, up it's, it's us the first twins is, yeah <laughs> yeah totally because you know i mean that year oakland actually won the first two games and so they were leading to nothing in that series and it's best of five and Minnesota came back and won the last three. And so all of a sudden, when people thought it was probably going to be the Oakland versus New York, it ended up being Anaheim versus Minnesota. Yeah, uh, and, and you guys win that series. And the, and the game of that, that World Series that we remember is, is Spezio. Spezio. The home run oh, yeah. in game six. And who was in right field? I, I kind of forget who was in right field for the Giants. I don't know. Who was that? But I know our who fan got a, got a nice little thunder stick <laughs> to the head. And it was one of my favorite moments. But um, the right fielder in that time was actually Reggie Sanders. How about <laughs> that? And so, How about um, that? but yeah, I mean, to this day, the greatest at bat um, that I was ever a part of. And watching that, we were down five nothing in the seventh inning. And basically, do you recall what it was like in the? I'm always curious what it's like in the dugout when you're when well, it looks like you're on your. You know, right. Oh yeah. Oh no no. You're sitting there, and you know, I mean, you're just hoping for something, just a little bit of a spark, a little bit of something, and um, and legitimately, he, Spees comes to the plate with with um, two runners on, and he just fought and battled and battled and battled, and finally got a pitch, and he hit it, and it wasn't like it was like gone. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, it might be. My oh my gosh! Yeah. And then the the stadium went nuts. And I like to say, my best at bat in my career happened that inning. 
I made the final out in the inning <laughs> to turn the lineup over. And then Well done, sir. Thank you. Which which allowed Darren Erstead to lead off the fall inning with a home run. Then we get back to back hits and then Troy Gloss hits one into the gap and before you know it, we're winning six to five, yeah. you know, bringing Purcell for the ninth. And now we're heading game seven. Oh, so it man. was it was outstanding. Game seven, the moment you have the chance to win oh, yeah. the World Series. What what is going on in the mind when that's... Well, the funny thing about it is, and I would never say this, you know, at the time, after winning game six, you, like, it was almost like we knew we we're going to win game seven. It's funny that you say that. The morning after the Cardinals won that famous game six against the Rangers in yeah. 2011, we had Ozzy on our radio right. show, and he goes... It's over, and you yeah. never hear a guy right. say something. He goes, he goes, it's over. He goes, right. they know that they they can't come back right. from that, and the Cardinals aren't going to lose that game. And I'm like, wow, Ozzy's saying that, but he experienced that heartbreaking loss That's in '85, right? And the Cardinals got stomped by the Royals in, in Game exactly. Seven. Yeah, yeah, no. So it was one of those things that you know, I mean, it, it, you felt like uh, we're going to win this thing, and we know we're going to win it, and and very fortunate enough, you know. We were able to come through. Garrett Anderson had a big bases loaded double that scored three to put us up four to one. And, you know, our, our back end of the bullpen was very good. And, yeah, so we closed it out and win it. So it was very exciting. Yeah. So the thing that, you know, we had this banquet last night with yeah. uh, you and Ray Lankford and Ted Simmons on yeah. stage. And you were telling some of the story of how you went from the Angels to the Cardinals. Yeah. And I had forgotten about that. But so, if I'm not mistaken, so we're talking 2005? They we're, let you. We're talking about um, the. It was actually December of 2004. December so of 2004, okay. It was, okay. After, it was after the 04 season. And this is when the, the I guess, the, the roulette happened. So Edgar Renteria was playing in St. Louis. That's right. Um, Orlando Cabrera was playing in Boston. Boston had just won the World Series. Edgar ends up going to Boston, which leaves Orlando open. Um, and legitimately, um, so the Angels... There was not many areas they thought they could upgrade, but they definitely thought they could upgrade at shortstop. And so they go and get Orlando Cabrera, which ends up non-tendering me. Mm. So all of a sudden, like, I'm on the market. And legitimately, within three days, I am signing a three-year deal. It was actually the most ever non-tender deal in the history of the game with the St. Louis Cardinals. And I was thrilled to death. A couple days later, it's you know now it's a little after Christmas now. So going to a party at my my wife's uncle's house, and he brings over the phone to me and he's like, "Hey, I got someone special that wants to welcome you to St. Louis." And I was like, "Okay." And I pick up the phone. It was actually Ozzy Smith, um, and it was just pretty surreal. But it just shows you what type of family the Cardinals are, and how you know I mean from day one they opened me with um, they. Welcome me with open arms. What did Ozzy say? Do you recall the conversation? Oh, just basically be yourself. Yes. You know, I just want to welcome you. You're coming to one of the greatest cities to play the game and just be yourself, you know? And because as everyone knows, I mean, he's always will be the shortstop that anyone ever thinks of when it comes to St. Louis Cardinal baseball. And, and even, even Tony from day one um, called me up and told me when they signed me was the sense of the best thing about St. Louis and the team we have. We don't need you to do anything else except be you. Yeah. Like, if you just be you, you'll be perfect. And that that was good to hear. That was good to hear, you know, that I didn't have to try to do stuff that, you know, my skill set would not allow sure. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you have uh, Pujols, Edmonds, like, Roland, yeah, you know, Larry Walker was Larry back Walker, in 2005. Larry Walker, Reggie Sanders. Mark Rezalonic. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Legitimate. Yachty was just, you know. Yeah, that was, I guess, his first full year, full, right? First full year. Um to this day, I'll say that is the best club I've ever played on. And to get back to a little bit of what we were talking about before, like after winning game six and no two, like knowing we're going to win game seven, you know, and when we beat Houston, when Albert hits the massive home run to, to, to bring it back to Bush for game six, I promise you I had the same exact feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, oh, my gosh, the only reason why this happened is that we're going to win and now we're going to go back to the World Series and stuff like that. And when we lost... Oh my gosh! Like you're you stunned, stunned, and it wasn't even much of a game. Roy Oswalt just dealt, dealt, yeah, and and like it was, it was um, just just amazing. But I'll go a little bit deeper into, into that that story. I think everything happens for a reason. And actually, on the bus trip home after we um, beat Houston, Mike Mahoney stands up. He was one of our backup catchers and stands up. He goes, "Does anybody have extra tickets?" And, and he goes, because I have a young man who is dying of cancer. 
and if um, anyone has extra chickens, they were trying to get them to come to Houston, but the um, they wouldn't let them leave the, the the area. But if we came back to St. Louis, they were going to let them come. And sure enough, um, I raised my hand. I was like, Mike, I got extra tickets, so yeah, definitely um, tell them that they can come. So after the game's <laughs> over, you know, what I mean, I had the opportunity to meet this young man and his family. Oh and, my god! So you think of the bigger picture, like, oh my gosh, we came home to do this. But the thing about it was the connection didn't stop there. I've, I've stayed in contact with the young man, and um, through his time, and actually, um, a couple years later, he actually passed away, and he actually passed away on my birthday. So like even so, every year on my birthday, I actually call his mom. I called him the other day, called her the other day, and talk. And so it's it's one of those things that you know sometimes there's a little there's other reasons going on of why things happen and so but yeah i got to meet jason larson that year because of because of albert's home run and developed a connection that made me a better person wow so he was there for game six in st louis he was there for game six in st louis they came down after the game so in the clubhouse after the game was able to go out and meet him and his family and stuff that's incredible you know, we love doing these conversations every week here on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, very proud of the fact that every week since we started the show, October 1st, 2017, we have had a new guest and uh, high-profile guest for you, and that's a credit to our producing staff, and that's a, a sign of gratitude, really, from um, the sponsors who make this thing possible because without them, we wouldn't have a show and we wouldn't be able to do this. So you have questions from the audience on Wednesday, and you have the interviews uh, that come up every Sunday night, Monday morning. David Eckstein this week. Well, James Carlton came to me before we even started the thing and said, I know that this is going to be a good show and I want to be on board. And I said, well, thank you very much, sir. And so he got on board. Well, about a year into him being on board as our sponsor on the program, I said, I got to make a switch to James Carlton because this guy is much better than what I'm currently dealing with, and it's in the best interests of me and my family to be with James Carlton at 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800, or online at carltoninsurance.net. And, you know, I I think for most people when it comes to insurance, first off, it's a hassle. It's not something that you really ever want to deal with because you're just making a spend for something that in the back of your mind you think you're not going to need. Um, or if you're hearing from an insurance company, that means something negative has happened. Um, so it's not necessarily a positive and say, oh, I'll just have a friend or some guy I know will do it, or some lady I know will do it, and then we'll move on. But it's not that simple because uh, that's kind of the way that I was operating for a long time, and it's just like, oh, you don't want to go through the hassle of making the change. But there's a difference, you know. I feel like... You don't want to get in a spot where you're just going with somebody who's a friend or somebody you know of just because because that's just not the way. You wouldn't do that with a doctor, and you are talking about your biggest investments being insured. You're talking about your family. You're talking about your home. You're talking about your car. Make sure it's with somebody who truly is a specialist in the industry and is going to be around for a long time, has already been around for a long time considering how young he is. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. I made the switch. Because I just was like, there, there's a, there's too big of a difference. And then once I made the switch, I saw that there was an even bigger difference that I realized. 314-961-4800. They'll do all the paperwork for you. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. It's James Carlton of the Carlton Insurance Agency. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. I, yeah. was, uh, I was covering Game 5 in Houston. And even though I was almost 30 years old... I still have this weird thing. I did not want to see the Astros celebrate. Yeah. And so I had a hotel right down the street from, I guess, Minute Maid. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm just going to watch the end there because I don't want to be around because yeah. that place was going crazy, crazy. as you know. Yes. And I'm in my hotel room when Albert hits that home run. And what all of you guys who are on the field for that say, it's like you could, it went from as loud really? as it was to like you could hear you guys clapping in the yeah. dugout. <laughs> like... Um, Where were you when he hit that? Were you I was on, on base? second base. You were on second base. I was on second base. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a good um, view. <laughs> I had a great view. Um, legitimately, there's certain moments in the game, in games that that you can't experience in real life, other than being able to be on a major league field. And one of the things that it's kind of fun in the game is to quiet a crowd. And when Albert hit that, and the pin drop that you could hear, you could only hear us clapping and everything like that. It is one of the greatest moments of any time that I've played. 
the sense of that you had all those people, you had the buzzing sound, and within one strike of a ball, goes to dead silence. And I, I say it all the time. I think it got voted. Was it ESPN just a thing? Like the like I think it ended up being either one or two as the most how to shut up a crowd. And <laughs> yeah. so and and it is. I don't know what could be better. Yeah, I know. So it was it was it was one of the greatest moments. Uh, I don't know if it inspired you guys or if it led to because you did start the season strong in 2006, right? And then it kind of fell apart. A lot of guys were hurt, right. and then right at the end of the year, guys got healthy. You certainly weren't expected to do much when that series rolled around with the Padres. Beat them. Yeah. And then a classic NLCS with the Mets. Wow. And do you remember the big at bat in game two? Who was up to bat? That game two of the NLCS then, with them. After we lost game one. There was, a certain, there was a certain young man that almost had the same exact at bat, but, you know, he didn't get it up high enough. But Green, Sean Green was in right field that jumped and hit off the wall. It was the triple to actually... You so Toguchi or is this you? No, this was it was Scott Spezio. Scott Spezio. Oh, once Scott, again. Yeah, once I know, again. I know that, that Spezio had a big hit and so Toguchi had something right, as well, well in that well, so game. So Toguchi hit, hit the home run That's in right. the ninth. Yeah, but that, that hit the once Spezier. again got, got us going yeah. and got us on track. Because it looked so. like you guys were going down 2-0. Oh, and, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, so Scotty had two amazing at-bats to get us back in. And then at Game 7. Game 7, un, unreal, unbelievable. You know, you're going in there. Um... Scotty hits that ball, and um, Jimmy's on first base. It looks like a sure home run, and Andy Chavez jumps over the wall, catches it, able to throw the ball back to first base, doubling up Jimmy, and you're like, oh, my gosh. There's, <laughs> there's moments in games, as even as players, much we don't like to admit, we're like, oh, crap. Yeah, we just like, lost this game. There's a chance that this is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next inning, it's bases loaded and two outs, and who's coming to bat? no better script in the game to have that happen and when jeff was able to get andy to get um making out it was like okay we're back to yeah. even and then yachty yachty's homer in the ninth unreal yeah you had another silencer a year another later <laughs> yeah it, it dramatic um homer sending us to to the world series you know just magical moments yeah and when you look at that world series yeah you guys, I remember one of the jokes was Detroit in three. Detroit yeah. in three. And, 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 and one of the things that happened was prior to the World Series, um, Tony sat us down and had a meeting, and he would like, he'd like to say, you know, the script says Detroit's going to win. The media wants Detroit going to win. If you don't have an edge after that, you know what I mean, you're never going to have one. But understand this. We have we're in control. We're in complete control of our destiny, and just because they wrote it doesn't mean it's going to be real. So let's go out there and get this thing done. And you win the World Series MVP. <laughs> I mean, you go from, you know, I mean, All just right. kind of so like not even being paid attention to in high school to World Series MVP within a decade. Yeah, um, I always people always ask me about about the World Series MVP, and to be completely honest, at the time. It really did not mean that much to me because of the fact that all I cared about was winning the World Series and World Champions, and so it it, it wasn't something that it was it was nice. And as everybody who saw the series, you know, Scott Rowland had a fantastic series, and then Yachty. I mean, what Yachty hit, and then also the way he controlled the pitching staff. So there was many other um, choices for that, and so I never really thought of myself as that really, even after the fact. But once I've stopped playing and, and, you know, every time I walk into a room, that's how I'm, I'm announced as. It definitely has grown and meant a lot more um, since I've stopped. And so, and, you know, and I'm truly honored by it and, you know, just blessed to have that opportunity. Well, you got it in 2002, World Series MVP in 2006. But let's be honest, if you can lead your team to a division championship today and a world championship I would have to think that would supersede it all. It, 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 would def, it would be right at the top of the list. You I mean, like I always say, you know, legitimately, like everyone always go, oh, compare the World Series. Which one's better? You know, they're both the same. And just like today, you know, <laughs> the opportunity to win, to win the Fantasy Camp World Series, you know what I mean? It'll be right there at the top of the list. It's tied because that's what you show up. You show up to win. You show up to win rings and be called the best. And today we have the opportunity to be, at the end of the day, be called the best. David, it's been a pleasure, sir. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it, man. No Thank you so much. I like that. 
So there it is, the conversation with David Eckstein here on the Tim McKernan Show, our guest presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. All of our sponsors make these things possible. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at EvergreenSTL.com, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and Mike Judy of Mike Judy Presents, MikeJudyPresents.com. And he has shows going on left and right. Follow him on social media, Mike Judy Presents. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit, online at Landoff.com. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. Um, that's who we get our cars through. That's where we recommend you get your cars through as well. But also their service and parts department second to none. It's Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, going back to the 1930s. That is a family business. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit. If you're in the market for a car or pre-owned car, make sure. That you're going to Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. So Eckstein and I started off with a conversation and finished with the conversation about uh, our showdown in the Cardinal Fantasy Camp. His team had beaten Ozzie Smith's team. Ozzie Smith's team had beaten our team. So when we faced off with Eckstein's team, um, if we were to win and if Ozzie's team were to lose to Tom Hankey's team, we go to the championship game, which would be played under the lights at Roger Dean Stadium. Now, candidly, in the back of my mind, knowing that uh, the winner of the other division uh, was managed by former Cardinal John Costello, who, for the record, I was really wanting to, and maybe I still, but I always like to try to do these things in person, so it would have to be over the phone maybe next year, uh, wound up being like one of the funniest people I've been around. I uh, had no idea because he was 10 when he was, when I was a fan and he was pitching for the Cardinals. Uh, but, man, that guy's entertaining. So he managed the team that won the other division, and then they wound up winning the championship. But the reason why is the teams in that division were all put together in advance. They all play together. And they had a couple of guys who could throw 85 miles an hour with, like, four different pitches. And in this thing, you know, you can throw it 40 down the middle and you might get out. It's much less 85 miles an hour. So I wasn't really bullish on our chances anyway. But if we could win the division, that would be about the ceiling for our ball club. And we fell behind 4 nothing to Eckstein's team and then mounted a Sunday charge, Jack. And we, uh, we, we, we closed in. We were down 6-4 with two outs in the fifth inning. And I was at first base. There was a runner at uh, third base. And uh, as was the case for most of the way that people would get on base, it would usually be a walk or an error. Certainly there were some hits, but if you were ranking walks and errors and hits to get you on base, hits certainly would be third. And, uh, and so uh, I'm at first base, and I guess now looking back on the whole thing, the only thing that I really brought to the table was speed. And when I say speed, we're using the term speed very liberally, very liberally. Uh, but relative to the other people participating, I guess I had speed. And I want to make sure that I emphasize, I guess, and we're using the definition of speed very liberally. So I am the tying run at first, and there's a ball hit on, on the infield. And as weird as it sounds, that ball could lead to me scoring. Just trust me on this because the, the ball could wind up in the outfield. The ball could wind up getting thrown God knows where. The first baseman might drop it. This is for every team, not just Eckstein's team. It's a whole thing. And then sure enough, the, I believe, shortstop makes the play, throws to first. It gets away. I don't know how because I was running. I make the turn. I get to third. And then, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I'm very proud of this. And Alan Bennis, I think, uh, to my face said he liked that I was thinking this way and then internally was like, God, this guy's a nerd. But the guy who was on deck for our team, who was coming up next, he was having trouble making contact throughout the camp, um, period. There's, no, there's not really a gray area on that. And I saw across the diamond, I'm at third, and I'm taking a big, aggressive lead, Jack, uh, after this play. You know, it's not a lead. I'm, I'm making the turn. And we're down 6-5. to five. Now, there's still two more innings left. But if I go, I'm essentially stealing home, except not off a pitcher, off a first baseman. The first baseman now has the ball in his possession. He's a little bit behind first base. What has to happen is 
Now, assuming I don't blow up my Achilles or hamstring in that 90-foot uh, quote-unquote sprint, the first baseman has to make a good throw to the catcher. The catcher has to catch the ball. Some of these things we take for granted when watching baseball. In this case, I'm telling you it's a 50-50 proposition that the ball would be catchable, and then another 50-50 proposition that the catcher would catch it, and then I don't, I don't think I'm beating the throw, but that I could somehow get in there safely. And from my standpoint, and this is, this is the analytics, this is the analytics that Tony LaRusso just doesn't like, but these are the analytics. In my opinion, even though that is not likely that it's going to work out for us, it's a better probability than me being driven in with two outs with the gentleman who was on deck. And so I was thinking, I, and it would have looked insane had it not worked out. Um, but, and, and, and then I, I'm, I'm quite certain that if I do get thrown out by 10 to 15 feet, as was a possibility, and Ryan Franklin and Scott Cooper and Alan Bennis and the team goes, what in the hell were you doing? Um, I, they, they wouldn't listen to what you've just listened to, which is my probability breakdown on why I would have made the move. So Alan holds me at third. I yield to my manager and stay at third. Unfortunately, the gentleman who was up next did strike out. Uh, and what was really surprising was that we never w- would score another run. That, that, that was surprising. Um, and we wound up losing 6-5. to five. Uh, It wound up being um, irrelevant because Ozzy's team won up by a run. So it could have been a whole thing, and we could have legitimately won the division. But uh, alas, it was not meant to be. So David Eckstein, despite that tension between me and him in the interview, which, my God, I can't even imagine what that was like to listen to with the intensity between the two of us as he watched people who couldn't carry his jockstrap play baseball, um, they, they won, and uh, we wound up finishing second in our division. Then we played Jason Isringhausen's team, and, uh, and we were massacred. I just don't think the focus was there after the disappointment of the Eckstein loss. And... Uh, and uh, I made it. I, they, they were putting me in center field. Um, not sure why. I'd like to think it's because they thought I could cover a lot of ground. I think in reality it was because they were thinking one or two balls ever get hit to the, the, the outfield in these games. And it's usually off the bat of somebody who played Major League Baseball. So uh, this is where we can kind of hide him. Um, and actually, center field's a safer spot to hide him than right field because the occasional time a guy would make contact and it would get to the outfield, he wouldn't necessarily get around on it. So as a right-handed hitter, it would go to the right field. So perhaps the place to bury me is center field. Well, Bernard Gilkey comes up, and uh, this is after I'd made a catch in the previous inning, which, you know, it wasn't a real difficult play, but because I actually caught it, uh, the boys were uh, giving me some credit, which I think was kind of a passive-aggressive way to say we didn't think you had the ability to catch a can of corn pop fly. And uh, and so I catch it. But our manager, and this just shows the intensity of the competition, our manager had left the dugout to use the restroom. And so Alan Bennis returns, and he goes, you know, I've been holding it in for about four hours, and I leave the dugout, and I and I apparently miss you making a catch. And on this catch, for the record, which was relatively shallow center field, there was a runner at third, and I just wasn't, I, I didn't even have the slightest inkling of attempting to throw him out at home. Could I have about 95% no, um, but that wasn't the reason why I didn't make the throw. Isringhausen was at first, but that wasn't the reason why I didn't make the throw to allow him to, to, to move up to second. I just felt like I might hurt my arm, and I'm not interested in doing that. That was, that was the, that's what I decided on. So, the, so I come into the dugout. Alan gives me credit for the catch, and I said, "I got to tell you, there's a lot of people comparing it to, to what uh, Jim Edmonds used to do out there in center field." And he goes, "Is that right?" He goes, "I haven't heard anybody say it." I go, oh, "It's just kind of the buzz in the dugout." Being a smartass, sure enough, next inning, uh, Bernard Gilkey is up, and anytime there was a guy who played Major League Baseball, even if they were a closer, we would position ourselves deeply. And I'm in center field, so I'm way back there. Gilkey hits a ball. And I don't know how often and when the last time you played baseball was. First off, I played second base. I didn't even play in the outfield. Not that it would have mattered. Um, so I'm, a, I'm playing center field here, and I can't tell if the ball is like a rocket or if it's a bloop. I probably took two steps back. Then I realized it was coming up. 
And by that time, I'm like, ah, I might be able to get to it. But you know what? That would be a whole thing. So decided against it. It drops in front of me. And unfortunately, and I want to I want to emphasize, unfortunately, uh, that led to a hazing from both dugouts. Alan Bennis uh, immediately yells, where were you on that one, Jimmy Ball game? And uh, Ryan Franklin and Scott Cooper are, are yelling things. And uh, then from the Dave LaPointe, Jason Isringhausen dugout, quit playing on the fence, McKernan. So what happens? Uh, so I move up for the next hitter, who is not a former major leaguer. Um, and he hits, I mean, he crushes a ball. The, the only way I can compare it is the ball Brad Osmus hit that Edmonds caught in the famous Game 7 catch in 2004. It was that kind of screamer. Um, I just don't know if I can read a ball off the bat as well as Edmonds can. I'm not saying I can't. I'm just saying I don't know that I can. And so I see that it's a screamer. It's it's coming right at me, except it's high. And I'm running, and i got to tell you, I think I have a chance to catch this thing, but it would take a really, really aggressive jump. And i got to tell you something, that would be a whole thing also. And so uh, it goes over my head. This leads to a triple uh, for the gentleman, an RBI. And as you can imagine, once again, unfortunately, uh, that led to some uh, comments from the dugouts. And, uh, you know, I mean, so what I'm going to have to do now is, is, is work on my defense uh, if, if I am lucky enough to be back for 2020 because that was, uh, that was an unfortunate inning in a game that, that, that got out of hand a little bit. Uh, but my recommendation is big time on the Cardinal Fantasy Camp and Eckstein... How about Eckstein? Eckstein's like, yeah, if I knew I was playing, I would have had to have, you know, worked out for a few months to get ready. And I'm just like, oh, my God. You know, I took BP twice and went out there. Um, but he's got pride. He's got fire. And there's not a doubt in my mind he would have absolutely raked. That's just the way that he is. So um, I loved catching up with him. All those guys throughout that whole thing couldn't have been cool. I would have loved to have had John Costello on, which I know sounds so random because I'm sure many of you don't even know who he is. Or if you do, you're like, God, when did he pitch for the Cardinals? But the guy's hilarious. Lankford would have been great. Had Brian Jordan on. But now that we're down here and now that the Cardinals are arriving in Jupiter, we will look forward to having Cardinal guests for you throughout. Um, hoping to get some golf guests as well since so many of them live in the area. So all of that coming your way. Uh, and we're very grateful to our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, evergreenstl.com, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency at carltoninsurance.net, mikejudypresents.com, and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at landoff.com. They all make it possible. Thank you to our producers, Gangster Pete and Iggy. Thank you to our sponsors, and thank you for listening to the Tim McCartney Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the thehomeloanexpert.com studios.